Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron, and I'm joined by Heather. Hi, everybody. And we're back for 80s cartoons, the sequel. Mostly because we we had way too many of these to do in one episode, so we decided to do it in two. Also, we're doing a do-over <laughs> for one of them, because Battle of the Planets went so well the first time. Yes, it did. Yeah. yeah. But then the, the second episode I picked, apparently, you said was shit as well. So you it's just said... Shit. Let's go. It, was, it was a really good episode. It's just, why, why do Battle of the Planets if you're not going to see them, you know, get together and make the phoenix and do the cool I bits? Yeah. I don't know. I, the first I, one, I, I'm pretty sure, was an acid trip. But I Well, the first I one know. was weird. Yeah, I just, I'm just blown away that you picked the two episodes that are non-standard. And it's funny because whole series. Yeah, like I well the first one I picked, it was just because it sounded cool. A space mummy? I'm all about that. I'm in. Like I'm into mummies. It's my like my very favorite movie monster. But it was such a shit episode. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and then I, I randomly picked a second one because they're all on uh, they're all on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And I randomly picked one because like it's got explosions in it and I see planes flying around. Good enough, and apparently not so much. So well, we're gonna closer. do the pilot. It- it was a lot more standard. Like they had, you know, here's the problem. Here's the bad guy. The good guys try and fail, and then, and and then, but then they didn't do the thing. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm gonna. I haven't seen this one. I've seen all the others, but uh, yeah. So actually, as it, as I commented before, we hit record. All of these are your choices except the last one, and I'm totally fine with that because the last one is twice as long as the other ones were. It's an hour-long show, which, you know, minus commercials, it is actually 47 minutes. But, uh, yeah, so we're anything so cool. we... So the first one we're doing, we're actually just doing the pilot of He-Man, the diamond ray of disappearance. Anything you want to say up front about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and how much you love the live-action version? That never happened. I refuse to acknowledge it. No, 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 no. The cartoon was good. <laughs> the cartoon was amazing. I love the cartoon. Battle Cat was awesome, and Man at Arms was my favorite, and the live action never happened. The end. You know, I'm going to make, after you made me do Spaceballs, you understand now that uh, we're going to have to do that. Nope, we'll not. Yeah, we are. Too. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for you to drive the three and a half hours down here. You'll have no choice but to do that. <laughs> Otherwise, we're not going to Sentry Box after. It's good. It's good. I can get to Sentry Box myself. <laughs> That's it's true. Gonna take, it's going to take Padalux and Chloroform to get me to watch that. Well, the well, the Chloroform would be, would kind of miss the point. But yeah, that was a shit film. I mean, I knew it was garbage at the time. But yeah, so He-Man and the Masters of the Universe played from 1983 to 85. There were 130 episodes. Uh, it was made by Filmation. You know, if you know if you notice that it was the same with uh, GI Joe, like they just pumped out like dozens and dozens of these episodes. I get the impression that they, they would just place like an order for like two seasons in one shot, yeah. and just go ripping through them, and then when they were done, like they moved on. Yeah, um, because it was the one thing I noticed with like the season three of GI Joe. Remember we talked about how the animation got worse, the stories got worse. Um, a lot of the like a lot of the characters were swapped out and i think it's that they wound up with a different like they wound up with the b team or something yeah because yeah. because the a team um 
no, not the actual A team, but the you know the A team of animators had moved on to something else. No. You know, I tried watching an episode because a lot of those are on YouTube too, and it just it does not hold up. But I saw the movie, and it's dumb as shit. But it was absolutely worth the time I, I spent watching it. The um, A Team theme song has been stuck in my head for a few days. You know, here's something horrific. For whatever reason, for my whole life, the A Team music morphs into the Little House on the Prairie music. I have no idea why, but in my head, the A Team music plays into the little house on the prairie music and i'm weird i don't know but it's just <laughs> did you did you like watch them back to back or something i don't know actually i tried watching little house on the prairie recently and it was so fucking grim i was getting depressed there were so many grim episodes in that first season it became like i was talking about them on twitter and someone said okay just stop you're depressing me and i'm not even watching them <laughs> it was so bad I mean, they're wonderful. Yeah, it's a wonderful show, but Jesus. But yeah, yeah back to He-Man. Yeah, He-Man. You were doing Much He-Man. Better. So He-Man is one of these things. They designed all the toys before they had anything even approaching a story. It was 100% the toys, the comic books. As I seem to recall, they came with little comic books. Is that, am I, I misremembering I don't that? know. I've never got a new one. I found them at like the church white elephant table and stuff. And oh, okay. Had. Well, you can buy them. Yeah, you can buy them all now. Like the original toys, they make them again, Um, which is terrible. Remember a few years ago, I I took that picture from Walmart. They were selling Castle Grayskull. Remember, I said, "Am I having a stroke? What year is this?" (laughs) Yeah. Like I I think half the reason I sent you the picture was because I wasn't sure whether I was hallucinating or not. But yeah, see, I was never into this toy um, as a as a kid. I didn't like because the show I always felt was much more kiddie. Then G.I. Joe, that was just my perception that it was aimed at a slightly younger audience. Or am I, yeah, I don't know that? about younger. Um, certainly, like, they're, we, we watched them both, but mm-hmm. my younger brothers and I preferred He-Man um, because we didn't really care about war games at that age. Fair, yeah. So it was more the fantasy for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I had a few of the toys and the toys and it was it's funny. Um, I had Skeletor and I had some dude with a, like he was a bird man and he had goggles. I, I don't know what his name was. My parents bought them both because they my parents were the sort who didn't really ever pay attention to what their kids did. So that's ah, a toy, whatever. And I had Castle Grayskull. Well, that was a Cobra base, needless to say, uh, despite the fact that those toys were quite a bit larger. So Cobra Commander always looked really silly in that huge throne. But uh <laughs> Whatever, it was a kick-ass toy. But uh, yeah, so let's watch uh, the first episode, uh, He-Man. And again, we're going to do the same way we did the last one. I'll just play the theme songs. We're not actually going to do the show. Um, well, you and I are going to watch it, but our listeners won't. So, And all this is on YouTube, so go nuts, guys. So this is the pilot, the Diamond Ray of Disappearance. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I am Adam. Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull!
Voyager became the mighty Battle Cat, and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Only three others share this secret. Our friends, the Sorceress, Man-at-Arms, and Orko. Together, we defend Castle Greyskull from the evil forces of Skeletor. So we're back from He-Man. So it is, is it as glorious as you remember it? I love He-Man. <laughs> it really is a kiddie show, though. Like, it really oh, is... It is aimed at younger kids than, I think, G.I. Joe. But it's the same thing. It's got that PSA at the end. I had totally forgotten about that. That at the end, there's literally, they tell you the moral of the story. Yep. Um, and part of that was to to shut up the, you know, the pearl-clutching moms of America. You know, the organization that exists in my head and yet is absolutely true. Oh, they're but, out there. Oh, they are. They tried to wreck all our fun. Well, it you know, I mean, if you think about all the cartoons, like every last one of them is pretty damn violent. Like it's all it's all action. Oh, yeah. But then, how's that different than from what our parents grew up on? You know, westerns and you know, it's it's nothing new except you know these days they can be a little more graphic with the violence, I guess. So, anything else you want to add about He Man and the Masters of the Universe and that amazing, amazing live action movie? Um, no, um, no. cartoon though. I mean, yeah. we could, t we could talk about his glorious haircut. We could <laughs> talk about how the eighties girls in cartoons don't suck. That's true. We could talk about how much man at arms kicks ass and how <laughs> all their buddies had different powers and they worked together and saved the day and, and how Castle Grayskull is totally awesome. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. I had Castle Grayskull. It's freaking awesome. I can vouch for that. But, you know, it, you, you, you raise a good point is that the women in these cartoons are without fail strong. Yeah, they're not 80s girls like in the movies we watch. There is no one screaming, ah, indie. You know, yep. nobody um, loses a shoe and becomes incompetent. Yeah, uh, I think I'd mentioned I'm not sure if I mentioned it in the last episode, but someone did a line count of who speaks how often in G.I. Joe the cartoon. And the top three, I don't remember in what order, were Cobra Commander, Baroness, and Scarlet. Cool. Yeah. And I noticed that when I was watching G.I. Joe a lot, um, I, I know I bring it, I come back to that a lot because it's it's like the gold standard for me, but the women are almost always in charge. Like in the, even in the episode we watched, it's Scarlet. She's calling the shots. Um, and I was surprised how often it was Scarlet or Lady J calling the shots. And yeah. on Cobra side, it's either Zartan or Baroness. I'd remembered her being sort of way more into Destro and sort of subservient, but she's really not. She really is her own character. And same here. Evelyn doesn't really make much of a showing in this episode, but the what's the what's the name of the captain of the guard there? Tila, I think. Tila, yeah. Um, you know, she's like she's well she's the captain of the guard i mean it, you know she could probably use a little more clothing but whatever they're all I mean, look at uh look at he-man with his uh his, th <laughs> his thong and s&m gear with a iron cross on it but okay but yeah like do you think that like 
Do you think that made a difference to the cartoons you watched having strong female characters? I don't think directly. Um, it had more to do with uh, the movies that I didn't watch. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the cartoons with strong females included and embedded, I just didn't even notice. And right. then the, the movies and the TV shows I watched where the women were portrayed as subservient and weak and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. The live action, that's pretty common. The women are, well, they're 80s girls. Yeah. It's interesting that the cartoons, which were toy commercials, were more progressive. Yeah. And I find that really, really interesting. I I mean, I'm thrilled. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great. But yeah, it's kind of cool. Huh. Interesting. But I mean, you think even about, I wonder how much of that is based on Princess Leia. Who you know? She's not the princess in distress. She's a badass. Like she's the most badass of all of them. Yeah. yeah, like in the original, like in the original show, she's she's tough as nails, and she doesn't come off as bitchy or shrill. She's no. in, she's strong and in charge. And the minute she links up with Luke and Han, she's like she literally says, "I'm calling the shots here. I'm in charge." <laughs> I don't know who yeah. you think you are, but I guess it's pretty cool. You know, I guess representation matters. Well, in, in Dungeons and Dragons, the way, at least the way we played it, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Uh, if your character was a dude or a female, if your strength was 18, your strength was 18. Yeah. In D&D, do, uh, does gender matter in terms of how strong you're allowed to make a character, or is, is nope. gender besides the point? Besides the point. Caps at it's, 20. Okay. No matter what. All right. As I said, you're looking at my player's handbook, which I probably should read at some point, but okay. All right. Eh, so let's move. Let's move on to our second attempt. Well, second and a half attempt at Battle of the Planets. So we did do this in the last show, and it turned out the episode was just fucking awful. And the one I picked for today was apparently also not good. So you simply said, let's go with the uh, pilot, which is Attack of the Space Terrapin. It's the first episode. So Battle of the Planets is base, is a english translation of a show and i feel like i should scream this at you but i won't it's based on a japanese show called science ninja team gachamon which sounds so dumb <laughs> you should definitely scream that oh no and, and say it think... really fast so this played from 1978 to 1980 it was made by tetsunoko productions they made 105 episodes 85 of them were adapted into english obviously i have no idea how close the adaptation was like I know a lot of Japanese toy lines and 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 cartoons came to North America and got butchered because the themes didn't fit and there are certain there are so there are cultural norms that do not fly. And so they changed. So I I have no idea. I'm sure someone out there who who sticks their nose of a battle of the planets and will only watch the original Japanese science ninja team Gachaman would know maybe they know whether it's the same or not but i got nothing so i have some friends i think that was probably they're not exactly snobs but they they really enjoy this type of show so i suspect they've seen the originals and and like subtitles and stuff i could yeah i could reach up and ask a little late now sorry (laughs) that's okay it's sort of like uh, we mused once like we could like twitter tweet this guy and ask him about uh uh uh, and ask him about the movie, but we always think about that while we're recording. Yeah, though though I, I remember I did that with Wilford Brimley for um, The Thing. 
Yeah. No, I tweeted at him and I said, like, do you, you know, I said, we're doing a, a thing on um, the thing. What do you, anything you want us to include? And he says he loved doing it. He just loved it. So that was cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was a cool movie. So, all right. So anything you want to add about, like anything you want to say up front about Battle of the Planets before we watch it? Um, I don't think so. Mark is my favorite. Mark is your favorite. Which one's easy? The one done by Casey Kasem? I don't know. He's the pilot. I got that. He's the leader. Yeah. Well, the the kid, the one that you pointed out was Casey Kasem. Uh, Casey Kasem also did uh, Shaggy. He was the original voice of Shaggy in Scooby-Doo. And I just clued in yesterday in Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, the 2015 series. He plays Shaggy's dad. I just noticed that yesterday. Yeah, awesome. I just wanted to say yesterday. So anyway, so let's do Battle of the Planets, uh, Episode 1, Attack of the Space Terrapin. Incredible young people with superpowers. And watching over them from Center Neptune, Seven Zark Seven. Watching, warning against surprise attack by alien galaxies from beyond space. entire galaxy always five acting as one dedicated inseparable invincible okay and yeah well at least so, there's no moral of the story in this one thank god all the moral is don't watch it but yeah no, um the moral is watch all of it so, so good. this was just as lame as the last episode we did it was more it made more sense but it was lame and as we discovered the r2d2-ish robot was added for two reasons one they were literally stealing from star wars to make it more applicable to western audiences and it was also meant to explain what the hell was going on to north american audiences and to pat out the fact that this has a lot of graphic violence nudity and profanity in it (laughs) For a 70s cartoon, that's pretty wild. Um, we notice this go- going in. It's like the the bits with the robot gets so it, it the the animation looks like the filmation animation from He Man. And while we're watching this, I, we both Googled it and start looking around. It's like, yeah, that was all added. But um, thankfully, this children's cartoon has less <clears throat> nudity than the than the Japanese version, for which I think we can all be thankful. You really liked this as a kid, huh? I still like this. Yeah, I'm, really? I'm actually planning to go find Gotchamon and, and watch the originals now. Uh, that's You couldn't pay me. Like, you couldn't pay me. I didn't think I'd find something I liked less than Spaceballs, but here we are. 
it's it's fucking lame. But I mean, look to each their own, right? I mean, that's the you know the one thing about cartoons is that you know Saturday morning cartoons is that you had to make decisions because <laughs> in any given time slot there were three different cartoons running. So you know, well, one of them was in French, so it was really two. Yeah, but I had the well, I had the I guess it was four for me because I had the three American stations, right? Um, ABC, CBS, and NBC. But uh, man, am I glad I never seen this one because this is just what is awesome. it you like? You must tell me what it is you like about it. You must tell me. It's superheroes in space with uh, a bright shining future and. Um, Earth's enemies cool. beyond space. No, but this it's hopeful, and there's cool planes, and there's superpowers, and there's spanky outfits, and, and uh, graphic violence, nudity, and profanity. Uh, also, those <laughs> and their bad guy is a floating head in a in a, a great eye wreathed in fire. Lidless always watches. I can't wait for you to report back on what the the original Japanese one is with all the violence and and nudity and and profanity and like one of the characters who has a, like a weird speech impediment. The the reason you know there's the old joke you know who's the most profane character in movies? Well, it's R two D two. They have to beep everything he says. But turns out this might actually be it because the reason he has all the twitches and 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 glucklucks and hiccups is because he's the most profane character in the Japanese series and they had to cover for the animation uh you know too much talking for not enough english dialogue so they gave him those weird ticks but i don't want to know the difference i really 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 don't i'm i'm very happy not knowing um yeah <sighs> okay so we'll move on to the third one, and this is Inspector Gadget, uh, which I'm not sure where it, when it played in Edmonton, but in Calgary, it was a noontime show. So I only ever saw it on days where I was home from school for whatever reason, like I was sick or, you know, it was a day off or whatever. It was after school here. Was it? Or it might have oh. been after Flintstones. Because I, I, I rarely got home at lunch. Oh, um, we never did. We, we yeah. never did, a, you know, um, we always ate at school. Um, but that's like, I just happened to remember that just because when I was a kid, I used to get these terrible congestive coughs and it would knock me out. Like one time it knocked me out for three weeks. Like I was actually oh. home for three weeks. Yeah. I used to get them every year for two, three weeks, sometimes more, this awful congestive cough and, you know, you cough for an hour and you're pretty much exhausted. So my mother would just say, you know what, stay home. So I'd stay home and watch cartoons and, and during the week. It's all stuff for little kitties because, you know, yeah, the, that's the, the song, yeah. yeah, but this is when I saw Inspector Gadget. So my knowledge of this, like, I haven't seen them all or anything. Um, no. You know, I just remember yeah. that as kids, we had a very like the sort of nickname for it that you only get from like eight year old boys. Inspector Gadget became Inspector yeah. Gadget. Yeah. Say it slower. Yeah. 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 We had a whole uh, we had a whole grade six joke bit about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So at least at least we weren't the only weirdos. It was everyone. But uh, I, you know, as an adult, I really appreciate this cartoon. The actor who did the voice for Inspector Gadget, he played Maxwell Smart and Get Smart. Yeah. And it's a neat idea. It's silly as hell. And again, strong female character. The smart one here is Penny. It's Penny. And it's, the dog. And the dog. Brain. <laughs> now, Penny was his, what, his niece? 
something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now they did a at least one movie with Matthew Broderick, and I couldn't be bothered because that just seems stupid. I mean, he's great an actor as he is. I just like no. Yeah. But Inspector Gadget played between 1983 and 86. There were 86 episodes. It was made by Dick and Nelvana, which is a Canadian animation studio, and Field Communications, which I can't help but think that they picked this up for some extra money because that doesn't sound like an animation studio to me. But whatever. Um, yeah. So. I randomly picked an episode. I don't think it should surprise you that the episode is The Haunted Castle. Maybe that'll go better Shocked. than The Space Mummy. <laughs> it can't go so, worse. Yeah. So anything you want to say about Inspector Gadget before we watch it? Uh, nope. Okay. Just so like an, I, I, lo I love the theme. That's mostly I'm in this for the theme music and the dog. Yeah. Uh, I also thought the idea of Dr. Claw was really interesting. Yeah. Like, we, we never saw who he was. You never see more than his hands. And his cat. And his cat. And I don't think we ever get around to figuring out what the hell it is he wants. Like, no, I he's, have no idea. Is he after world domination or is he just a criminal or I don't think I, I don't. Maybe I just don't remember. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll explain it to us in this one. OK, so let's find out. So and here we go. Okay, so first off, it had a PSA. We didn't expect that. <laughs> so like you said, tell me you're an 80s cartoon without saying you're an 80s cartoon. So this is like James Bond, Get Smart, a little bit of Mission Impossible, because that's how he always gets his assignment, right? Uh, with the will destruct in five seconds. And some bionic, uh, the bionic man in there. We can rebuild him. Like it's, this is every cultural, pop culture spy touchstone for the past 25 years leading up to this show in the 80s like it's 60s and 70s yeah smash um, them all in there yeah and it's like it's total slapstick and you know i don't like slapstick but i i appreciate this show like i i would never go through them but oh no but you're absolutely right the song rocks yeah and i love the i love the car the high-tech sports car which is so out of the 80s it's so boxy and then the uh the minivan <laughs> all yep. in one but uh it's neat like and again strong female character yep. you know she's the smartest one of the bunch she's smarter even than the dog but not by much which isn't a shot at her it's the dog's name is brain i mean yeah the yeah. dog the dog's pretty smart yeah but you know the funny thing is is that in like 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 you said the joke is that no one realizes what an utter tool inspector gadget is dr claw assumes he's being relentlessly pursued by inspector gadget I don't think Inspector Gadget knows Dr. Claw exists. 
I seem to recall him going, ah, oh, Dr. Claw at some point. Does he? Okay. Because yeah. in this episode, which is takes place in Dracula's castle, um, he never has a clue he's up against Dr. Claw, I don't think. He says mad, though. What's that? He says mad, or whatever it is. The organization. Yeah, does he? Okay, but it... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. No, he's not super aware of anything. Uh, yeah, much of anything. Yeah, he always thinks it's something else that's going on. But you know, again, like we were, like I was saying during the show, it it feels like it's aimed at the same slightly younger audience that He Man is, but it's a more intelligent show. Yeah, like there's it's not a toy commercial. No, absolutely not. Um, though I, I again, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, a an action figure somewhere. Um, yeah. and my guess is the hat would pop off, and you'd have like a helicopter accessory and stuff like that but uh building that toy would be complex in this day and age which means some japan you know some japanese toy company is trying to figure it out uh you know 550 dollar uh inspector gadget figure which someone will pay for yeah but yeah and i mean to this to this day my 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 family still says google gadget whatever and by the power of grayskull so i mean it clearly, it clearly hit the same audience. Yeah, it, it 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 stuck. Okay, so next is our fourth and final cartoon, and then we have one show after it. You pick this one, Transformers. Uh, what the cool kids these days call Transformers Generation One, just because there's so many versions of Transformers over the years. There's Beast Wars and everything else, and then there's those horrendous Michael Bay movies. Do you ever seen any yeah. of those? Yeah, the first two, maybe. Yeah. The first, my f- the first one was painful. The second oh. one, when they ran across Egypt in an afternoon, I, I gave up. Oh yeah, that was that was a little painful. And the and then of course, don't forget, in the second one was the big monstrous devastator with balls. It had balls. But I yeah, I that until now. Thank you. Yeah, I um I saw the first one in the theaters, and I had to use the washroom, and I dawdled for ten minutes in the lobby. <laughs> And I, I know I am. I didn't miss a damn thing. Like it, it was typical Michael Bay. It's exceptionally well made, but he should not be allowed anywhere near script writing. You know. But uh, anyway, I, I tried watching um, the, the one Transformers Bumblebee, which was meant to be a throwback to Generation One, but it was awful. I gave up. Like I got bored. All I had to do was sit there and not move in my chair, and I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, I got through the trailer and didn't bother. Yeah, it's just not. Maybe some point I'll force myself again. But yeah, so this is, uh, I chose, I'll be honest, I chose one at random. It's from season two. It's called Traitor. I think I know which one this is. Transformers, we'll give you the vitals. Um, so Transformers, Generation One, played from 1984 to 87. There were 98 episodes, Hasbro, Marvel, and Sunbow. So again, it's all the same studios that were involved with G.I. Joe, which is surprise, surprise. Why the animation style is the same. The music is much the same. The writing seems awfully damn similar. And all the voice actors seem awfully familiar because it's the same group of people. Uh, same as Dungeons and Dragons. Same as Visionaries. The one thing I'll say is that Transformers probably has the best animation of all of those I just listed. Yeah. Because it had to be more complex because, you know, they were Transformers. And of course, after season two is when, like, the bridge between season two and season three was Transformers the movie, which I did as a special episode, which I don't think worked all that well. But I essentially did it as, like, a movie commentary. But <laughs> did you, did you see, you've seen the movie, I assume, Transformers the movie? Like, with yes. the death of Optimus Prime? Like yeah. 108 years ago. Seriously, I've seen that movie about 108 times. 
I have the I have the soundtrack. I bought it three times. I wore out the tape twice. I have the special soundtrack called Till All Are One, which is just the instrumental pieces, which I kid you not, the two composers who did it all on synth performed live at BotCon, which is exactly what it sounds like. Awesome. And it was so popular. People kept asking for like prints. They did sort of like a, a limited run CD printing for people at BotCon. And so they on e on. This is how they did this. This is how early in the internet it was, is the early uh, 2000s. The uh, Vince DiCola, who did it, said, okay, would you pay money for a printing of this? Email me if you would. It wasn't even an online poll. It was email me if you would buy this. And I emailed and said, yes, please. And so to buy it, you you emailed him (laughs) your credit card number. And he sent you the CD. And I mean, now you can find it all online, but it was all, because the soundtrack like that you could buy in stores was just the songs. You know, you've got the touch and which, by the way, was made for a Sylvester Stallone movie um, and then never used. Uh, and and Dare. Or no, sorry. Maybe it was Dare that was designed for that. Whatever. And, you know, all the like the heavy metal version. And and there was Dare to be Stupid by Weird Al Yankovic. But the Till All or One had all of the instrumental pieces, including an alternate attempt at the title, um, the title music, which was heavy metal. Like wow. 80s hairband heavy metal, but awesome. this is just season two and include the triple changers and the Dinobots and all that good stuff. And so this was really your thing as a kid, wasn't it? Uh, you youngest brother. The youngest brother was super into Transformers. Did you and... own them all or, or some of them? Or... Yeah, um, he actually got some new Transformers toys. Like he was so into this. Really? Okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You can buy the old Transformers toys again, like in the original box, like in the original design of the boxes, mm-hmm. including they had a file card on the back that you had to use. They give you a little red strip. Yeah, uh, plastic that was so through. cool. Yes, you can we read thought their... that was magic. Yeah, like the we... secret vitals and like um... we were all into it, but he was like he lived it. Yeah. And it's funny because as a kid, I much prefer G.I. Joe. But I liked the Transformers comics. They were pretty good. And it was interesting because it ends with the destruction of Cybertron. Like it ended on a on a sour note with the death of Cybertron. Sort of an apocalyptic end that works in their favor. But once it's gone, Cybertron no longer needs to exist. It was very, very interesting. But anyway, so let's watch this cartoon. This is season two, episode 21, Traitor. So we're back. So what's the moral of the story of this one? Uh, don't build generators that can destroy the world. The world. Well, I was going to say it was uh, don't judge people until you know their side of the story. But that one is also a good one. Don't build don't build electrical generators that might destroy the universe. Yeah, or the world or whatever. We were talking while we were watching, and this is probably the most intelligent of the shows we've watched. Like it's it's written by the same people, made by the same people as G.I. Joe, but it's a much more intelligent cartoon. Yeah, you know? and we we played them all in the backyard, but we thought about this one. Yeah, and like I was pointing out during uh, during the sh- during, while we were watching that there's more complexity in the relationship between Megatron and Starscream than in any of the Michael Bay films, because you know Megatron 
to be his most powerful has to transform into a gun and to be his most effective he has to be in the hands of Starscream but he, that's the the least the, the, the Transformer he should least be in the hands of because he wants his job. It's it's an interesting dichotomy. You could spend a lot of time just describing it and talking about it, but it's it's more complex, again, than anything you see uh, in the movies. And I always found that interesting, that 80s cartoons, like, yeah, they were toy commercials, but they weren't afraid to actually get in there and tell an intelligent story. Did you ever see the real Ghostbusters? Like the cartoon? Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't like an all-time favorite, but we yeah. crossed it. I guess the first half season, they had uh, J. Michael Straczynski writing for them. He did uh, Babylon 5. Uh, he, he was a creator of Babylon 5. And he was writing like serious stories about childhood trauma and abuse and a fear of the dark and these sorts of things. And then they said, no, no, it's, it's, it's too much. And then they got very dumb. But those first like half season or whatever, I guess, were super smart. I, it wasn't my thing as a kid, but, you know, again... You know, you can say what you want about these these uh, cartoons and that they're really just mostly designed to sell toys. And certainly Transformers was, but they at least were intelligent. Like they, they didn't insult your intelligence. Yeah, they challenged us a little bit. A, yeah, a little bit. I mean, we're, they're kids shows. You yeah. know, they're not like they're not like today. Like I'm watching, you know, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. And it's, you know, it's a it's a cut above Scooby-Doo. Where are you? But it was intended for people who watch that as kids. So if they know adults are going to watch the series and they produce nothing but a dumb kids show, that's just not going to fly. You know? So our last hit for today is the longest one. It's in, well, hour long. It's 47 minutes. Uh, is the hilarious house of Frightenstein. Do you watch these as a kid? I assume. Oh yeah. We love these. Like this is on the can't miss list. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You put it perfectly. It's not a cartoon, but it's the closest thing to a live action cartoon you could get. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this was made, this was made, they were all made in one shot eh? in 1971, 130 episodes, all made in the course of a few months. They were made by CHCH TV, which was the CTV affiliate in Hamilton, Ontario. They were filmed in one long stretch because of course the show isn't actually, there's no plot. It's just a bunch of little segments and you can shuffle them like a deck of cards. It doesn't matter. It's a skit show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. Almost all of the parts were done by one guy named Billy Van, who also wrote and produced the show. So he plays the Count. He plays the Wolfman. He plays the veterinarian, I think. He plays um, the, uh, what do you call it? The guy with the crystal ball, which is a little on the racist side. He he plays the, uh, the Australian uh, explorer. He no plays... Way. Yeah, the only ones he doesn't play is Igor, because obviously he's in the shot as the Count. He doesn't play the midget uh, vampire, and he doesn't play the professor, who was uh, the physics professor, who was an actual professor. I love the physics professor. See, I didn't get into that as a kid because I wasn't good with math, and I didn't understand that actually until, believe it or not, my QL3 in uh, Wainwright, when they realized I was dyslexic when it came to numbers. No way. Yeah, I couldn't get the uh, I couldn't get the um, IV drip calculations, no matter how hard I tried. And so they held me back and we did it on the board. And he looks at me and says, you keep reversing the numbers. And I, I didn't realize that I went huh. through I went through freaking high school and no one it ever. None of my teachers clued into the fact that the reason I was having trouble, the reason I could never make it work is that the numbers move. Eighty three becomes thirty eight. So well, that's impossible. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, you know, watching this guy do physics, it might as well have been he might as well have been speaking in another language. Um, oh, wow. 
Yeah, because I was already on the math and science track. Like by grade two, I was already math oh, and yeah. science is where it's at. And and math and science to me are just well, science I love now, but because so much of early science is math, it yeah, was just a, a nightmare to me. Now I think science rocks, but. You know, hilarious house of fright and sign. I remember there was also the grammar slammer bammer or whatever. Yeah. Um, the puppetry that was all Billy Van as well. There's a great documentary called Return to Transylvania. You can find it on YouTube, and it's all about this show. It was one of the last interviews Billy Van did before he passed. It was made about ten years ago. And it's super interesting if you like this show. And by the way, most of these are on YouTube because it's the only way to get them uncut. Because when they released them on DVD, they had to cut a lot of the Wolfman segments because of the music. Oh, yeah, because it's copyright. <laughs> copyright. You know, at the time, you know, most of these bands were thrilled to have the kids watching their music because it was exposure, just like the radio. By the way, it turns out these things were super popular in the 90s among college kids in the States. Because <laughs> it, yeah, I, I guess you smoke well, a lot of weed or... You yeah, know. it makes sense if you're stoned, I guess. I don't know. I've never been yeah. stoned. As a kid, I found this show fascinating. I just, I was fascinated by the idea of this castle with all this stuff going on. You know, Griselda the cook and but the librarian. And the librarian. librarian. Again, also Billy Van. Remember, everyone you see here is the same actor. I was Um, 10 years old when I learned that. Yeah. Except Vincent Price. This this was also my introduction to Vincent Vincent Price. That was a big deal that they convinced Vincent Price to fly into frickin' Hamilton, Ontario and do... All these, like he did the intro and he does all these poetry things and they would just, he would just pound them out 20 or 30 a day. And in the space of a few weeks, he filmed all his parts and left. And they asked years later why he did it. And he said he wanted to do something for his, that his kids could watch because he'd done nothing but hammer horror. And that's a lot of blood and there's some nudity and he, you know, obviously he couldn't show that to little kids. He wanted something for kids. So he did this, but then they would do like the librarian and they would film that for, you know, weeks, every day he would put on the, the makeup and they would just pound these five minute segments out one after the other, after the other. And the Griselda or whatever, the uh, the cook, he made that crap up as he went. Sometimes they had a basic idea, but frankly, he just, he improvised almost all of it. Amazing. Yeah. Like this is, someone once said they didn't understand how it is that Billy Van didn't wind up being like a big SNL star and second city star. Because he has the talent. And when you realize this show is like 95% him, you go, wow. Like, he did that. That's impressive. But, uh, yeah. So I picked just randomly an episode. This one is episode four, according to YouTube. I don't know if it actually is episode four. But it's as good as the rest of them. So shall we watch The Hilarious House of Frightenstein? Let's do it. He can return to Transylvania, so welcome where the sun won't shine, to the castle of Count Frightenstein. (laughs) 
So, did it give you flashbacks? Yeah, I love that show. <laughs> I mean, we just watched a university professor who turns out was not from U of T. He was all over the place. Sydney, and he taught in New Orleans and at a uh, historically uh, black college. He was in uh, somewhere in California, University of Sydney in Australia. This guy's all over. Um, he was a big, you know, kids show thing, but he was an honest to God university physics professor. He showed five-year-olds university level. Well, I don't think it's university level physics, but it's physics. Yeah. You know, um, to five-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, so does it land differently now that you know almost everyone there except the professor and Igor were Billy Van, like was one, one dude? I, I don't like it any any differently i think it's remarkable like that's amazing but i still love this show that's yeah it's so good like i would watch this as an adult and be just as fascinated yeah i um of all the ones we've done in both of our 80s cartoons episodes like like you say it's not technically a cartoon but it's as damn it's as close as you get it's Uh, pretty pretty freaking close yeah um it's the best it's not the most intelligently written, but it's the most interesting. Always something going on. Like you first, you know, you got the the cool intro, and then you got the bit with the count, which I never liked because it's got puns in it. But then there's some quick two second flash of who knows what, and then you're into Griselda the cook or the the librarian or whatever. It's so cool. All done by this handful of dudes in in, in Hamilton. <laughs> in a like, little tiny set in Hamilton. You know, it's it's. it's I said on YouTube, if you if you search for Return to Transylvania, it's like a 14 minute documentary about the show. And they interviewed Billy Van. This was before he passed away. And they interviewed some of the people who worked for him, including, I think, one of the cameramen. And it's super interesting to to see how this thing was done. Like, it was just crazy. Like the, the fact that they said, hey, I got this cool idea. Let's make 130 episodes in one shot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and honest to God, it didn't matter. Like you could have, if, if one scene didn't work, you didn't say, oh shit, what are we going to do for this episode? You just found another scene. Yeah. You just kept moving. You know, like there was no connection between any two things we saw there. Nope. It's like they had, okay, well grab me a Griselda and let's edit in a professor. We got one of those. Okay. And you know, go get me a librarian. And, and, and I think that's kind of cool. Like it's, at, at about the same time we were watching this, mm-hmm. Monty Python's Flying Circus was also on PBS. Okay. Maybe. I never watched maybe, it. I'm not a Monty Python not. guy. My dad. My dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a goofy Irish guy. Yeah. In Canada. In, in, in Alberta. Like, nobody has our sense of humor here. <laughs> so enough, Monty Python comes on he's like oh my gosh you guys gotta see this so he was showing us that and yeah. the similarities are are remarkable yeah but I mean the difference was that was an actual comedy troupe this is just like one dude this is a dude yeah you know, um, but it's still just a sketch show right yeah but at the same time it's impressive that they managed to get Vincent Price like he was a big name like yeah it was all B movies sure it was but he was a respected actor yeah. And and of course we've seen the takeoff of him in Fright Night. Vincent whatever vampire killer. It's him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like it, it it's meant to be him like this and and by 1971 Vincent Price was more or less done. He'd had his fun in the 50s and 60s. Because at this point he was pretty much Vincent Price. Like he was in um the 13 Ghosts of Scooby Doo that that 
what lasted, I think, all of like a dozen episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Scooby Doo, Mr. Incorporated, they have him in parody, Vincent Van Gogh, <laughs> who is Vincent Price. I mean, it's it's a sound alike in everything, but it looks like him in the whole nine yards. And it's, I mean, that's a a, a 2015 cartoon referencing a dude who had not been popular since the 60s. But this is cool, and it's it's not. I, I guess it's you know I I said before that this was turns out it was really popular among college students in the 90s. But then it occurred to me while we were watching that was us. Well, yeah. That was us. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. the people who grew up watching this. But you that know was, what? This would I, I bet you if you showed this right now, this would this would totally work. Like if CTV tossed this on, maybe get rid of some of the more problematic little clips of it. Like maybe the uh, the explorer, I think, with his ooga booga. Uh, maybe the um, the oracle. Maybe make that one go away. But other than that, I think you could pull this thing off. You could show that early in the morning on CTV, and it would be a hit. Yeah. But you need the licensing for the music. Yeah. That's Which we're, look at this point, we're talking about fifty year old music. I assure you, they'd be thrilled. But you'd also, I think, need the uh, permission of the Wolfman. Wolfman Jack's estate. Yeah. Like this is so under the radar. It's a Canadian show in 1971. <laughs> I doubt Wolfman Jack ever even heard about this. You I know? don't know. I wonder. It'd be, fun- it'd, be, it'd be funny to find out. But this show is the best we've seen. Oh, yeah. I think. Like for you, like you said that, you know, finally someone who spoke to you at your level, the professor. Yeah. For me, it was the fact that I always got the impression you could wander through this castle and you'd find the librarian and he'd tell you a story and then you'd wander down the hall and you'd watch that drunk lunatic Yeah, you'd cook. get right in. Yeah. yeah. And then if you wandered into the basement for some weird-ass reason, there'd be a jungle. How is there a jungle in the basement of this castle? I don't know, but there is. And the explorer will tell you about some animal he filmed at the Toronto Zoo. And then, uh, you know, a uh, gorilla will come out of the weeds and get whacked with a golf ball. Why? I don't know. I guess the explorer practices his golf swing when he's not talking to people. <laughs> and then you go somewhere else and there's a wolfman who will dance for you. And the count lets Igor out of the lab for a few minutes to groove to sixties music. And it's, it's an absurd idea, but it's as cool as hell. And they have a I, moat. And they had a moat. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, it's a, it's a crazy show and, in some ways, it reminds me. I don't know why. Did you ever see You Can't Do That on Television? Yeah, I like that show. Same sort of thing, right? Like, there's no running plot. It's just a skit show. It's just a bunch of bits. But it works. Yeah. You know, because you're appealing to little kids. But, uh, yeah. So, anything you want to say to sort of wrap up two episodes of 80s cartoons and a mostly cartoon? It really, it, it formed our childhoods, like, as much as the movies did. Yes, I would agree. Because these are things you saw all the time. You saw them every yeah. week. And they were the same voices. So the, yeah. the voices of our childhoods is right there. Yeah, Peter Cullen and the rest of them, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I don't... Like, yes, it's pretty obvious a lot of this was like, especially uh, Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man. They were toy commercials. But I never cared as a kid. Like, I never... Just because I saw the Hiss Tank didn't make me want to scream and run out and get a Hiss Tank or a Megatron. I wanted those because the characters were interesting and they were well written. Mm-hmm. That's what made me. That's what you know. I, like I, I could have bought Duke. I never owned Duke. Oddly enough, despite the fact that he's an interesting guy, you know what I mean. But think about, say, Optimus Prime. That's a character that, gen- like today, kids still watch 
Optimus Prime. It's still the same actor. Yeah. Um, though if Michael Bay had chosen a different actor, I don't think anyone would have cared except people our age. And I don't think we like the movies anyway. But, uh, you know, well, there's, I, there's really only like 12 of us anyway. Yeah, there's only there's only a handful of us with a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> that's why you go to Walmart and you can see the original G.I. Joe, not the original G.I. Joe's, but the original Transformers with the with the with the boxes. And you can get a Castle Grayskull. And sadly, there are no toys for hilarious House of Frightenstein. There should be. Yeah, it's this is a show that was made on a wing and a prayer and just but it's like a lot of them. It's like I have this kooky idea kids might like. Let's make that. And that's just as true of Inspector Gadget as as it is of any of these others. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. So, well, that was a real kitty show. I mean, Mr. Rogers, yeah, Mr. Little, Dress little Up, kid. Friendly Giant. Yeah, Friendly like, Giant. Yeah. Those were but those were extremely important for kids like Sesame Street. The importance of Sesame Street is really something else. By the way, there's a great uh, documentary that just came out about the making of Sesame Street called Street Gang. Oh, yeah. Uh, super, super interesting. And it's about the making of and the people, you know, how they got, how they created it and how they pitched it and, you know, how they dealt with death. Like, because, of course, one of the actors died. Yeah. Mr. Uh, very. Yeah, very famously. And that was a huge deal. And the, there was all sorts of debate on how do we deal with that? It's a kid's show. And... Mr. Rogers, you know, we didn't do any of those kiddie shows, but do you know, like, Mr. Rogers retired in the 80s. After 9-11, do you know they brought him back? Yeah. To talk to, for a kid talk special? To yeah. yeah, to talk to the kids. Mr. Rogers, my God, talked to a generation of kids he didn't know. Why? Because a generation grew up trusting him, and we are the ones who said, you, we need you to talk to our children. There's oh. only one man out there that could talk, that can explain this. Yeah, yeah and that's power. And the fact that Hilarious House of Frightenstein has a following today, G.I. Joe, the 80s version of G.I. Joe has a following today. Renegade Studios, what was it, back in March or April, released the G.I. Joe role-playing game, which, by the way, is pretty awesome. They still have a following. Transformers, they just put out that one, too. My Little Pony, which we didn't do. They also, there's also a role-playing game for that. Like, all these things still have followings. Whereas, who the hell talks about cartoons from the '90s, with the possible exception of like X Men? That's the oh. only one I can. That's the only one I can yeah. think of that people still talk about. Perry the Platypus was is awesome. Which one? Perry Perry the Platypus from um, it's a bit from Phineas and Ferb. Oh, okay, that's right over my head. But still, I mean, you think about like there's a reason why this decade the movies or the cartoons stick with us and it's not just that our generation holds on to them with a death grip uh it's that they were well made they weren't stupid they weren't stupid and they tried to teach you something and you know people still gen x was an interesting generation we had interesting stuff to grow up on and this is certainly among the most interesting so it was Um, it was a positive force in my otherwise very strange life yeah no kidding i i hear you so yeah so we're gonna leave it there and uh, next week after this, hopefully there will be the Live the They Live episode, which is still waiting to be edited. And uh, yeah, we'll move on from there. 